0: Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, January 14th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi's 65th governor is inaugurated. We take a look at his agenda. And education is a top priority this legislative session. What do statewide advocacy groups think of the first changes made by new leadership? Then, a new concert event gives context to the songs of Simon and Garfunkel.
1: Plus... We ran the best that we could possibly have run, you know, and uh, until they made it about impeachment.
0: Part two of our conversation with former Attorney General Jim Hood. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on NPB Think Radio. Officials at the state capitol are preparing to inaugurate Mississippi's 65th governor. Tate Reeves, who has served as lieutenant governor for two terms, will officially be sworn in as governor today. Reeves recently talked about his priorities as the state's next governor.
2: Well, we're going to focus on continuing to grow Mississippi's economy through uh, investments in workforce development and workforce training. Uh, We're going to continue to focus on improving educational outcomes uh, for our students, uh, we're going to invest in teacher pay raises. Uh, we increased teacher pay by $1,500 per uh, year last year, uh, and i propose proposed a $4,300 additional increase in teacher pay. And we look forward to um, working with the legislature to uh, get those uh, proposals enacted. Well, the governor now is commenting on the prisons. That's you're going to inherit that. How are you going to deal with it? What do you? What will be your first steps? Well, we've worked very hard to uh, stay informed uh, over the last. Um, week or so of this uh, very challenging situation and very unfortunate situation uh, with the gang violence that is taking place in our prisons Uh, but we want to ensure that we are informed, uh, that we're knowledgeable so that on day one uh, when we take over uh, that we will be prepared to deal with it. Will you be looking at possibly more funding for salaries, for infrastructure? Well, we're certainly going to be continuing to look at opportunities uh, to invest Um, Mississippi's uh, tax dollars in a responsible and an uh, appropriate way, and so that's what we're going to do. Roads and bridges. Well, obviously, we made significant progress, significant progress over the last um, eighteen months or so, and we're going to continue to work to invest in, in Mississippi's infrastructure. And so what is your message to Mississippians as, the, as you walk into this office? What do you want them to think about when they say Governor Tate Reeves? Well, Mississippi's economy is doing well. It's doing well because conservative policies work. We're going to continue to enact conservative public policy, and that's something I think we need to do.
0: Senator Philip Moran served in the Senate during the eight years Reeves presided as lieutenant governor. He says he expects today's inaugural address to be about moving Mississippi forward.
3: Well, I expect our governor-elect to continue talking about moving Mississippi forward. I have no doubt that he's he's going to be tasked with, with having to uh, handle the current crisis, the situation that the Department of, of uh, Corrections and um, I'm sure that together we'll all be able to handle this and get it under control and make the conditions better and uh, be able to move forward. Also, got to continue to improve our education and our teachers' pay and take care of mental health. You know, those those are the three main topics I think that's going to be facing us this, this year. And, and I, I expect the governor to to cover all three of those faces.
0: Republican Senator Philip Moran represents District 46. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Education is a priority being vocalized by many members of the House and Senate this young legislative session. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman assigned Senate committee leadership last week, naming Republican Dennis DeBar Jr. chair and Democrat David Blunt vice chair. Governor-elect Tate Reeves has also made his nominations for appointed positions, tapping former state senator Nancy Collins for the State Board of Education and Madison businessman Bill Billingsley for the charter school authorizer board. School choice advocacy group Empower Mississippi is pleased with Reeves' nominations. In a statement, Empower founder Grant Cowan calls Collins and Billingsley vocal advocates supporting education issues and commends Governor-elect Reeves for his selection of these fine individuals. Nancy Loom is the executive director of the Parents' Campaign.
4: We want them focused on things that will improve the quality of education that's provided to Mississippi children by providing them the resources that they need for, stu- for uh, students and for teachers to be successful, to meet the standards that we're asking them to meet. So those are things like um, increased funding for high-quality pre-K um, Getting closer to full funding of the Mississippi Adequate Education Program. Of course, the teacher pay raise that we we expect them to come forward with. So um, those are the, those are the things that we're looking for.
0: You know, you you said get closer to uh, funding MAEP. So fully funding is it off the table?
4: Well, we know that right now we legislators have built such a tremendous gap in recent years between. The level of current, the current level of funding, and what full funding would be, and we do have these other priorities, um, like the teacher pay raise and putting additional funding into high-quality pre-K. So we understand that it will probably take a little time to move toward, f- to get there to full funding, but certainly we expect that they will narrow that gap and get closer to it.
0: Republican Lieutenant Governor. Delbert Hoseman has appointed committee chairs. How do you feel about those two appointments?
4: We are just delighted with those two appointments. They have both been good supporters of public schools, and the committee is also very strong. So we are so pleased that it really does look like um, this Lieutenant Governor Hoseman is serious about making strides toward getting where we need to be in support for public schools so we're we're just delighted
0: governor Elect Tate reeves has appointed several people to boards nancy collins has who's a former legislator has been appointed to the mississippi department of education board she is someone who has been vocal about her support of charter schools how do you think she'll work out on that board?
4: We were very disappointed in that nomination and and I'll say not only were we disappointed, we are hearing from many, many people all across the state who were really, very angry about that appointment. Um, as you know, Nancy Collins is a former senator, and she was unseated in a landslide, and her defeat was attributed to her hostility toward public education and her repeated efforts to dismantle the PERS retirement system. So we are hearing a lot from voters in northeast Mississippi who are really angry that they they feel like their votes have been overruled by Tate Reeves. So um, we were disappointed in that nomination. Um, it does require the consent of the Senate, and typically that those, those hearings and votes take place later in the session. You know, there is precedent for um, having them deny to provide the consent for a nomination. If she is confirmed, we certainly hope that she'll do a better job in, in serving on the State Board of Education.
0: Bill, Billingsley has been appointed to the Charter School Authorizer Board. Response to that?
4: You know, charter schools, our charter schools have really struggled, um, despite the fact that our statute is really a strong one. It requires quite a lot for a, a proposal to be granted a charter in Mississippi. And I think that demonstrates how hard it is to do a good job of educating children well, particularly in a district where the public schools have historically struggled. So I think what that highlights is that it is really important that the Charter Board continue to maintain and adhere to the high standards that are set forth in the statute. So we hope that the Charter Board will continue to do that, we the last thing we need in Mississippi is more failing schools.
0: Would the parents' campaign support charter schools in any situation? No,
4: you know, in Mississippi we can we can barely afford this, the public schools that we have now. The legislature has seen fit in recent years to consolidate some of our school districts because they said they were interested in reducing administrative overhead and wanted to save money. It absolutely makes no sense to just start opening new schools willy-nilly across the state. Those schools should be focused in areas where the public schools have not gotten the job done, and they should be held to a very, very high standard. Charter schools really are not held to as high a standard in in some ways as public schools are. If a public school is failing for two years, if the district is failing for two years, they can be taken over by the state. A charter school can fail for five years before their charter is denied.
0: Nancy Loom is the executive director of the Parents Campaign. Nancy, thank you very much for being with us. It's good to be with you, Karen. Coming up, a new concert event gives context to the songs of Simon and Garfunkel. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
3: Hi, I'm Ryder Taff, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advisory, and co-host of Money Talks. Each week, we take your personal finance questions and tell you about a money topic we hope you find helpful. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart devices podcasting
0: platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The internationally acclaimed hit theater show, The Simon and Garfunkel Story, will stop by Bologna Performing Arts Center on January 15th during the Coast to Coast U.S. tour. The immersive concert style theater show chronicles the amazing journey shared by the folk rock duo Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel. George Clements plays Paul Simon. He tells us the show has given him the opportunity to grow as a singer songwriter.
3: Paul Simon has always been one of my songwriting heroes. Ever since I was about 12 years old, I fell in love with his music. Um, My brother John gave me a uh, Sounds of Silence album when I was about 12 for Christmas, and I would just listen to it every night. So there was something really uh, thought-provoking about his lyrics, and I just was really captivated by the the harmony singing.
0: Are you a songwriter yourself?
3: I am, yeah. I, I have a another project besides this one um called the lonely heartstring band and i i do a lot of writing for that band and uh i'm currently working on a solo record of my own material so yeah i I just think paul simon is is kind of one of my songwriting heroes so it's kind of a a fun gig to be able to dig deeper into his uh, songwriting craft and style and keep learning from it
0: how did the simon and garfunkel story come about and and how did your involvement in it come about
3: I believe the Simon and Garfunkel story started seven years ago in the U.K. It was written by Dean Elliott, a guy from the U.K., and he wrote the show and starred in the show, and it ran there for a few years. And um, I think it's been in the States for two years now, or maybe we're in the third year. I uh, I heard about this gig because um, I graduated from Berklee College of Music, and one of my professors, he's involved with the theater scene, and he got a casting call, kind of an email forwarded to him from a... Uh, agency in New York City, and they were looking for short (laughs) singer-songwriters.
0: And you fit the bill. (laughs) I fit the bill, so
3: he forwarded me the email, and uh, I went down to New York this past summer, uh, took the audition, and got the gig, so it seemed like a a good fit for me.
0: How did you train to sound like Paul Simon?
3: I think naturally my voice has similar tonal qualities to his, so I didn't have to work too hard to to, uh, kind of Changed the way I sing. He has a very soft-spoken style, and I really love that about his music. So, coming more from a like a bluegrass background, I think I had to l- learn how to control my breath a little bit more and and not push as much as much air through my pipes and kind of more adopt a a speaking style of singing, which he's he's kind of known for, and it's it's really um, I it really just took close listening to the recordings and kind of trying to imitate and emulate that style and that approach.
0: What time period is covered in the partnership between Simon and Garfunkel?
3: The show chronicles their journey all the way from when they met and when they were kids. So, you know, starting from the very beginning, they were 17 years old and they wrote their first song. I should say Paul wrote his first song. And then it goes all the way through all of their albums and then ending with the concert at Central Park. So we kind of do the whole the whole gamut of their, of their material.
0: And their breakup?
3: Yep, they're, they're, we go through their breakup, and then they're kind of reunited at Central Park.
0: This is described as a concert-style theater show. Is the concert portion of it interspersed with scenes between the two of you?
3: Yeah, so the show is mainly a concert. Uh, we play 30, 32 of their songs, and in between the songs we'll kind of narrate um, what's happening at their life at the time. Uh, Luckily, I don't have to act too much because that's not really my background. But it's more about telling the story and really setting the songs and giving audiences a closer, in-depth look at what was going on in their life and maybe what was the inspiration for some of their biggest hits.
0: Do you pull anything directly from real concerts of Simon and Garfunkel? Yeah,
3: I think, you know, Andrew, who plays Garfunkel, he and I have watched a lot of concert footage of the two, um, and, try, and try to kind of capture their stage presence. So we try and bring that and portray that in a, in a lot of the songs. And you know, near the end of the show, we do come out, kind of dressed like they did in the uh, concert in Central Park, and that's a real special moment in the show. And uh, we definitely c- kind of recreate some of the, some of the um, presentation from that show.
0: The Simon and Garfunkel story will be at the Bologna Performing Arts Center at Delta State University in Cleveland this Wednesday, and George Clements plays Paul Simon. Welcome to Mississippi, George.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Coming up, part two of our conversation with former Attorney General Jim Hood. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
1: The votes have been cast, and Tate Reeves has been elected to govern the state of Mississippi for the next four years. Mississippi Public Broadcasting will be live at the Capitol Building, providing complete coverage of the inauguration of our 65th governor. Don't miss the inauguration of Governor Tate Reeves, January 14th at 10 a.m. live on MPB Television, MPB Think Radio, and mpbonline.org.
0: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Jim Hood served as Mississippi's Attorney General for 16 years. After a hard-fought campaign for governor in 2019, Hood is stepping away from state office. In part two of our conversation, Hood reflects on the gubernatorial campaign, the issues he's passionate about, and what lies ahead. There are some that said that if you couldn't be the Republican for governor that there's no one in the Democratic Party who can beat a Republican for governor. Do you agree with that?
1: You know, I don't know the answer to it. I I, I wouldn't have run if I didn't think that we would, would have won. But, um, you know, my area of the state uh, voted, uh, is normally voted for me, has changed. And I think a lot of it is um, just party politics. You know, they've made it into one party's bad and the other one's good and that kind of thing. And 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 instead of people voting on their pocketbook, what matters to them and what issues, uh, what the issues are in a campaign, I think uh, until we get, you know, with social media, there's so much disinformation out there. People hear what they want to hear and they don't get, you know, uh, keep up with the news and the issues and, and they wait until the latter part of the campaign last week or two and they look at what's happening on tv and uh and a lot of it's just misinformation so uh i think we will have to get through that you know as a country uh as a state and then at some point people will go back to voting on the issues and people that they think will do the best job rather than just some party allegiance
0: are you proud of the campaign you ran
1: yeah we ran the best that we could possibly have run you know and uh and until they made it about impeachment, until the president came down to Tupelo and, and, and said a vote for me was a vote for impeachment, which had absolutely nothing to do with the governor's race nor the service of the governor. Uh, it was just political stuff, you know, and people bought it. And um, anyway, that's just one of those things that happen in politics. And, uh i've uh I've moved on, you know I, I didn't fret too much over it, but I look forward to 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 working uh, in the private sector and continuing to help on issues that I really enjoy.
0: Well, before you move on, I want to go back in your career. Uh, you were the only Democrat in Mississippi's executive branch under two Republican governors, uh Haley Barber and Phil Bryant. Have you felt like a lone wolf all these years?
1: You know, not really. I I get along with, um, you know, Lynn Fitch, Delbert Hoseman. I've gotten along with uh, governors and many of those other statewide uh, officials. Um, and, um, you know, I've enjoyed uh, my service. I, I've, I've treated people like I would want to be treated. And most of the time they have reciprocated. Now, sometimes, you know, when politics gets involved, uh, they'll do things that, that, you know, normally they wouldn't to a friend.
0: When you took office in 2004, did you have specific goals then?
1: Yeah, you know, I I ran on uh, continuing the record of what Mike Moore did because I was assistant AG for five years under Mike. Then I, I ran for DA and became, I was a DA for uh, two terms, eight years up in Oxford in that, dish, that part of the state. And um, so I knew what the office did, what it was capable of doing, and I wanted to make sure we continued uh, fighting for kids, you know, fighting for the least among us. Uh, protecting the state's coffers, going and collecting money that corporations or individuals had stolen from us.
0: What is the what is the total that you collected over your tenure?
1: It's over three billion. Uh, total. Now, two billion of that was BP, but still, that's a billion dollars. I mean, within a year, I had a hundred million dollars, uh, plus settlements. I think it was 117 because we made them throw in a building downtown on WorldCom. I mean, a company that ripped everybody off. We held accountable and we brought it back, you know, 117 million plus we made them pay the lawyers. So, Anyway, that was uh, one of the early successes, I think, that uh, we had with the office by holding uh, corporations accountable because some of these corporations have grown so large. Google, uh, Facebook, they're bigger than any of the oil companies ever were. They're more powerful because they have the information. They have political influence. I mean, these companies are bigger than a state, and so a citizen can't stand up to some of these tech companies or some of these large corporations. It takes a state, and, in fact, it takes several states. Uh, and, and so that's why we worked with other attorneys general, uh, closely to, you know, bring to bear the power uh, of the States to, to try to protect our consumers. What's next? Well, I've opened up my, uh, I'm opening up my father's, uh, law office. He, he practiced there for 45 years. He passed away a few years ago and, uh, it's been sitting there idle. So, um, I've moved my stuff in there. I'm going to set up camp in Houston, Mississippi on the square and, uh, Practice law. I hope to work with other attorneys general to continue our Google investigation and see if we can, at some point, deal with Google and Facebook. It's going to take the federal government working with us. It's going to take every AG in this country to bring to bear all the power that we have to try to deal with with the monopolistic activity that Google and Facebook are are creating. People that got to put in perspective how big these, how how much revenues these corporations have. How you know. The conspiracy theorists think the federal government's Big Brother. The big, they're not Big Brother anymore. It's the tech companies. They they know more information about us than we actually know about ourselves. At some point, uh, Google's going to have to be broken up. Uh, this is a battle that Ma Bell, you know, the Bell, uh, uh, the telephone company. People don't probably don't remember Ma, Ma Bell, but um, the the AT and T. Those those companies went through this. Microsoft did. Uh, I want to work with AGs on that. I want to uh, probably get involved in some type of um uh, litigation against some of the insurance companies that, like they did in Katrina, where they had those engineering reports that were changed, you know, and uh, uh, th- those catastrophes are occurring much much more frequently because of global warming. I mean, we're having more floods, fires, everything. And, that, you know, so that battle, I want to work in that area, and certainly I want to continue to work somehow in mental health. I don't know if I represent some mental health company or whatever, but my heart's in that issue. So if the good Lord allow me to just to stay at, engaged on those three issues and, and make a living and uh, and be able to hunt and live on my farm in Houston, Mississippi, I'll be happy.
0: Well, now I get to say former Attorney General Jim Hood. Thank you very much for coming in. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it.